Good morning, church, and welcome to the last Sunday of the second month of the year. I trust you had a great week. I really enjoyed uh, the Wednesday Bible study. That was that just this past one, where Pastor Jessica taught on marriage. I believe um, those of us who were present, we all took home something, whether married or unmarried. Excuse me, I'll advise you to listen to the message. Amen. And I'm also currently enjoying our prayer festival, which is currently ongoing. Amen. So by the way, we meet tonight at 7 p.m. on our Zoom platform, so don't forget. Amen. We have two services, so uh, after service, you have some break in between, and 7 p.m. we will meet to pray. Amen. I've really enjoyed my week so far. Uh, today we will resume our series on the book of John, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and we are on volume 5. Uh, this is probably the longest series I've ever preached in, in my life. We are starting from chapter 15, and today is part 70. Before we get, begin, let's start off with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this morning. As we come before your word with humility and uh, with meekness of heart, we receive what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. The peace is good. Amen. All right. Turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 1. John chapter 15, verse 1. Just one verse. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Amen. I'm ministering under the sub theme, I am. And this is the eighth I am and the last I am. Uh, within our series of the book of John, the Lordship of Christ, we've had a mini series within our series. And uh, we've talked about, I think, the most important aspect in the book of John, where it has to do with unveiling Christ's divinity. You know, if you read Matthew carefully, Jesus Christ was presented to um, the Jewish people as a king. So the subject themes there has more to do with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. If you look at Mark, he was presented as a suffering servant. He came as a man and suffered, died on the cross so that we could be saved. When you look at the book of Luke, he's presented as the son of man because he had parents, he had genealogy. You could trace where he came from. And that's also very important. Apostle Paul once said that if you don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh, uh, you are a false uh, believer or a false teacher for that matter. And nobody should give heed to you or an audience. So it's very important for us to understand that Jesus also came in the flesh. But when you read the book of John, it, it puts the masterpiece to it. The book of John rather unveils Jesus Christ as God, not just as the Son of God, but as God, his divinity. And that is a very important truth and a very foundational truth of our Christian experience. So today we come to our eighth and final scene 
uh, what we call the emphatic sayings, which has more to do with unveiling Christ's divinity. And the first one we began was from John chapter 6, verse 47 to 51. And the first I am recorded in the book of John was, I am the living bread. And Jesus said that meaning he is the source of eternal life. He just doesn't satisfy hunger. He just doesn't quench thirst. But he gives something in addition to that which is eternal life. And in the Old Testament, God was seen as the source and the giver of life. So when Jesus says that, I am the living bread, and whoever eats of me shall have life everlasting and forevermore. Jesus was implying that I am God. Amen. The second saying is found in two scriptures, John chapter 8, verse 11, and John chapter 9, verse 5, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And Jesus was explicitly saying that in him is light. And when one is in him, he will not walk in darkness. In the Old Testament, and even throughout the New Testament, one of God's expressions is light. And light means he is a holy God. Light means he cannot be easily approached. Uh, light also signifies salvation. So by this, Jesus was implying that he is God. By this, Jesus is also implying that it is through me that salvation comes. It's through me that you can have the salvation experience. And John even prophesied about this in John chapter 1, where he talked about Jesus' beginnings, that in the beginning was the word. You know, when you read the Bible, especially when it comes to Jesus, you will think that his beginning was when he was born of a Virgin Mary. But John accurately explained it to us that Jesus, his beginning was the word. And the word was with God. So Jesus' beginning didn't start in the womb of Mary. Jesus, Jesus doesn't even have a beginning. <laughs> he comes from eternity past because he was before the foundation of the world. That is the one we are serving. And the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, which is Jesus. And the Bible says that it is through him that all things were made, and all things were, not, were made, were not made without him. And the Bible lets us know that in him is light, and that the darkness came, and the darkness could not comprehend the light, which is Jesus. So Jesus is the light of the world, and it is assuredly so that when we come into Jesus, we will not experience a shade of darkness. That means that when we come into salvation, the reign of darkness, which symbolizes the devil, is over. The third one that Jesus mentioned is in John chapter 8, verse 58, where he said, I am. And of all the I am's, that is my favorite. Because this response was to the Jews who were questioning Jesus' age. In the flesh, he was in his 30s. And the Jewish people were trying to factor in ageism. 
and were saying that you are not even 50 years old, and how come you are able to say the things that you say? And in response to that, Jesus said, I am. And I am is a powerful name. Because throughout the Old Testament, that was how God unveiled himself and revealed himself to the people. The first time the Jewish people ever had the knowing of who God was, was I am. When Moses went to Pharaoh and he had received the command that Pharaoh, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go, the first thing that Moses gave to the hearing of Pharaoh and the audience who were mainly Jewish was, I am, has said, let my people go. So that was the first time or the first name they knew of this God who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They knew him as I am. And Jesus says, I am. And by this statement, Jesus is inferring that I am God. I am before the foundation of the world. I and my father are one. I coexist with the father. I have divine attributes just like the father. I am. So Jesus was inferring that when I am was working and was turning, um, um, when he was giving you guys manna, and when I am was feeding you, when I am was taking you through the wilderness for 40 years, that was me. That's what Jesus is saying. I am. I am God. And I exist in eternity past. That is who Jesus is. He is God. I am. And that's why he can call himself that. The fourth recording is found in John 10, 7. Where the Bible says, I am the door of the sheep. Meaning, he's the only way by which one will find salvation. The sheep refers to us. And why are we called sheep? We are called sheep because we are dependent. You see, Jesus is not a medium. He's more than a medium. He's actually the door of the sheep. And without him, we cannot go to God our Father. And in this revelation, Jesus is also expressing himself as God the Son. So which is very powerful. So he doesn't just see himself as Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of prophets, Jesus a teacher, but now the name the door of the sheep means I am God the Son. And then the fifth one is in John chapter 10 verse 11 where he said, I am the good shepherd. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Why am I the good shepherd? I lay down my life for the sheep. These Jewish people, they knew the story of David. They knew David was a good shepherd. They knew David took a sheep from the hands of the bear and of the lion. But Jesus said, I am better than David, who is your father. I am better than David, who is your genealogy. I will actually lay down my life and die for you. And Jesus saying that was prophesied about the messianic ministry, which he was about to experience in less than 24 hours. I am the Messiah. I lay down my life. And when Jesus laid down his life, 
he became a sin offering. Because of him, all our sins are pardoned. He became the trespass offering. Because of him, our transgressions are forgiven. He became the burnt offering. Well, you know, the burnt offering in those days, you burn the whole thing. That's why it's called the burnt offering, with the entrails and everything. Jesus became the burnt offering. He had to present his body as a whole sacrifice to the Lord. Jesus became the grain offering. He became our first fruits. And I don't even want to go into that theological debate of first fruits. Let me just leave that alone. And Jesus became our peace offering. Because of him, we have experienced peace with God. And because we have experienced peace with God, this is where the ministry of reconciliation comes in. Jesus is our Messiah. That is why he is the Good Shepherd. The sixth name that Jesus said is in John chapter 11, verse 25 to 26. When he came to Bethany, where Lazarus was dead, and he began to sorrow because of the, the grieving of Martha and Mary, who were also very close to Jesus. The Bible lets us know that in his sadness, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will not die, but you shall live again. And with this, Jesus was explaining to us his ministry that is to come. He is going to come as the judge who is going to quicken the living and the dead. Them that are alive who will get the opportunity to meet the rapture or meet his coming and believers who are dead, he is going to give life. And then the Bible lets us know in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you read all the 58 verses, that we shall experience the resurrection. And when we experience the resurrection, our bodies will change. We will experience glorified bodies. And I like what the Bible says, corruptibility will put on incorruptibility, immortality will, put, will be put upon us and mortality will drop. This is the Jesus we serve. He is the resurrection and the life. And he is going to make sure that those who believe in him and those who have accepted him will experience resurrection and will experience eternal life at the last day. You know, there's a day called the last day. And the last day is the end of the age. And when, it, when the end of the age comes, that is when we begin our reign with Christ. The seventh thing is in John chapter 14, verse 6. And Christ uttered one of the most popular sayings on this earth. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Uh, Jesus is the way to go to heaven. Before he mentioned that, when you read verses 1 and 2, he said, I'm going back to my father's place to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you that. For in my father's house, there are many mansions. There are many dwelling places. So I'm going. And how is this going to go? He was going to go through the avenue of death. He said, I'm going. And when I prepare a place, I will come back. Come back for you. How do we get to that place where there are many mansions? 
The way to go there is through Jesus. He says, I am the way. And he says, I am the truth. And why is Jesus the truth? Because he is verified and fully authenticated by his works he did on this earth and by his words. Once upon a time, his own cousin John, who had written such a beautiful poem about Jesus in John chapter 1, became confused and he became offended when Jesus didn't come to visit him in prison when John was awaiting trial. And his trial was that he was beheaded by the Herod. And he sent word to his disciples to go and ask Jesus, should we look forward to another Messiah or are you the one? And listen to what Jesus said. He said, go and tell John that the blind is being healed. The deaf are hearing. Miracles are happening all over the place. The gospel is being preached to the poor. And blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Then he says something. If you don't believe my words, believe my works. My works authenticate me. So when Jesus came on this earth, all that he came to do was to show us who God truly is by how he acted and by what he said. Jesus is the truth. I believe that in this social media age, one of the popular words we throw around, <clears throat> excuse me, is verified or verification. When you have a verified account with a blue check mark, it means that you are the real deal. Jesus is the truth. He's verified. Why? Because he's the real deal. And he has so much evidence from Genesis to Revelation to authenticate the fact that he is God. He is the truth. And Jesus is the life. It's through him that we experience life eternal. The Bible lets us know that in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created man, God did an action in Genesis chapter 2. The Bible lets us know that he breathed into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. The Hebrew rendition actually means that man became a speaking spirit, because man is a spirit. Man is a spirit with a soul and lives in a body. I understand the meaning. So man, man is not flesh. Man is a spirit because he was created in the image of God and he is housed in the flesh and he has a soul. So man became a speaking spirit. Why? Because God gave him life. And Jesus is saying that I am God. I give life. I quicken the dead. I quicken those who are dead to be alive unto God in the regeneration of the new creation. Amen. So now, these are the seven that we've learned so far. We've learned, I am the living bread, one. Number two, I am the light of the world. Number three, I am. Number four, the door of the sheep. Number five, the good shepherd. Number six, I am the resurrection and the life. Number seven, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So now, let's move on to number eight. I am the true 
fine. My voice, man. <clears throat> now, what's the significance of a vine? The significance of a vine is it is the source where plants get their nutrition for growth. You know, plants don't only just need water to grow. They need, they need more than water. They need sunlight. They need manure. They need so much more. But, they, but a key among what they also need is the vine's sap. They need the vine's sap that will give them nutrition and that will help them to grow and become fertile. So the vine actually becomes more like the center of the tree. Plants get their sap from it, and it's very important. Now, the reason why Jesus had to say, I am the true vine is, legend has it that Jesus was standing near the temple. You know, the Jewish people, they never joked with their temple. The temple was priceless, and it was very important to them. And in in front of the temple was a large golden vine, which was set as a prominent decoration on the front of the temple. The Jewish people too, as we all know, they were quite superstitious. They really believed in signs, symbols, and tokens. That's how Israelites really flowed. They were very superstitious people. In fact, if you read your Bible carefully, during the time when the Israelites disobeyed God, and God allowed fiery serpents to come and bite them, and they were all dying, The Bible lets us know that God commanded Moses when they cried out to the Lord. And the Lord said, Moses, make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and lift it up. And anybody who has been bitten by the snake, if he looks at that, they will experience healing. One of Moses' biggest mistakes was he didn't destroy that thing. (laughs) It became a god. So the Jewish people were very, very superstitious. It became a god until one of the kings of Israel who was raised by God took that thing and destroyed it because it had become an idol. So Israelites were used to worship. They could just worship anything. And that golden vine that was set as a decoration in front of the temple, they worshipped it. And every Jew believed that Israel was God's vine which was rightfully so. Because if you read Psalm 80, verse 8 to 9, the Bible calls Israel a vine. The Bible says that you have brought a vine out of Egypt. You've cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep roots and fill the land. Now, David was talking about Israel. Israel was a vine. But if you read especially the prophetic books, especially Jeremiah, the the word vine was used in a negative sense because they started to go after other gods and even one of the expressions that God used against the Israelites through the mouth of Jeremiah was they were a degenerate vine. That means they were a vine that were withering and that were dying because they were going after other gods. But now I just want you to see something in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 1 to 7 about how Israel disappointed God as a vine. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 to 7.
<clears throat> Isaiah chapter one, 5, verse 1 to 7. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. So now he's talking about Israel. Israel is known as the vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. You see, this is tantamount to Israel not serving God. When they went after other gods, there are fruits that they gave birth to were not fruits that were to be eaten. And now look at it. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah. So now you see, it has now moved from vine now to addressing the Israelites. Please, between me and my vineyard, what more could I have done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge. It shall be bent and break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. I shall, it shall not be pruned or dark, but they shall come up briars and thorns. Do you see the word briars and thorns? Briars and thorns signifies curse. Amen. If you read Genesis chapter 3, it talks about briars and thorns. I'll leave that alone. I'll also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah is pleasant plants. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. So Israel became a very disappointing vineyard in the eyes of God. So when Jesus said he was the true vine, Jesus now had to now step in the place of Israel. And one of the reasons why Israel had to be God's vine was because they were supposed to be the central focus of God's plan of salvation. It was supposed to be through them that all nations of the earth will be saved. But they followed other gods and that plan couldn't happen. So now, God had to raise up another vine to make sure that that will have the central plan of salvation through which the whole world can be saved. And Jesus had to step into that picture. And that is why Jesus says, I am the true vine. So to the Jew who will stand there and look at that golden vine that serves as a decoration in front of the temple, they may think of themselves as they are vines because that was how God expressed his sentiments to them. But Jesus has come to change that picture that I am the true vine because now I have become Yahweh's plan of salvation. I have become the central focus through the whole world will be saved. And just like I said, vine is situated in such a way that everybody partakes of it, especially plants or, or things of the plant kingdom. They all partake of the vine so that they will grow. Jesus also has come to stand in that position whereby it is through him that all of us will be saved. 
It is through him that we live. It is through him that we have our being. Jesus being divine also means that he is the central theme of the Christian faith. It is through him that everything happens. Christianity happens because of Christ. Spirituality happens because of Christ. Fruitfulness, growth happens because of Christ. Everything that we have experienced in this Christian race, it happens because of Christ. That is why he is the true vine. And then he goes on to say, my father is the vine dresser. And what does the vine dresser do? The vine dresser is just there to prune, to purge, and to select fruits from wild fruits. So one day, we are going to be judged. We will have the vine dresser who is going to make his pick, is going to make his selection from fruits, from wild fruits. We are going to have the vine dresser, God, who is going to be the judge, who is going to make his pick from vibrant branches to dead branches. But the way we will survive, the way we will be able to be handpicked by the master is just to be connected to the vine. So Jesus was saying that, I am your sustenance. I am your sustenance to spirituality. I am your sustenance to a spiritual life. I am your sustenance to fruitful growth. I am your sustenance to growth. I am your sustenance to everything. I'm your sustenance. I am the true vine. It is through me that you will have refreshing for your soul. It is through me. Jesus is the true vine. Thank be to God that Jesus has now become the central focus. And because he has become the central focus of the plan of our salvation. Now, we believers and experience true rest and true salvation. Oh Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. Jesus being divine is the center of our Christian faith. He is the true vine. Hallelujah. I just want us to think about this. Jesus, by this message, is telling us, I have everything. Jesus, by telling us this, is telling us that it's true me that you will have sustenance, you will have growth. That's why when Apostle Paul caught the revelation of Jesus as the vine, he said, in him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. Jesus is our sustenance. So to bring the message home, if you want to be sustained, 
this month and beyond. If you want to be sustained this year and in the years to come, Jesus is divine. Connect to him. Because when you connect to him, you will experience nutrition, you will experience sap, just like the plants receive sap for their nutrition and their growth. Jesus is our everything. So feed on Jesus. Delight on Jesus. Feed on his faithfulness because he is divine. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We have received your word. Thank you that you have given us an understanding that you are the true vine. We give you praise. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being the true vine. Thank you. Thank you. I just want us to enter into a time of worship for the next few minutes. Uh, let me just pray and close it for copyright issues. I don't want the song to be played on the recording. So that when I finish praying, uh, you take over and play the songs. Father, we bless your holy name. Thank you for your word we've received. We have understood that you are the true vine. You are our sustenance. You are everything. Thank you that because of you being divine and we being connected to you, we have hope that we will not fall on the wrong side of the vine dresser, but we will be handpicked because of our fruits. In Jesus' name, amen.